Welcome to Eat, Drink, Innovate, the podcast about food startups, innovators and entrepreneurs who are making their mark in Australia's dynamic food and beverage industry. The future of food is happening here. Come join Susie White at the table to eat, drink and innovate. Aha! Hello everyone, I'm Susie White and welcome to episode 19 of the Eat, Drink, Innovate podcast. I talk with food startups, entrepreneurs and innovators to get behind the scenes and find out what they're doing to build their business and make their mark on the Australian food industry. In the aftertaste section, I give you a brief insight, learning or secret of success that I've gleaned from my guests' experience that just might help you in your own food startup or business. And today I'm talking with Sheila Barak. She's the product development manager of Well and Good and daughter of the business co-founder Sam Barak. Well and Good is at the forefront of the gluten-free food industry. They create high-quality gluten and allergen-free flour and baking mixes of cakes, biscuits and bread. They also make allergen-free ready-baked breads, including hamburger buns, baguettes and sliced bread. In this episode, you'll hear how Sam was motivated to start the business after making a gluten-free cake for a friend's son so he wouldn't miss out on the birthday fun. You'll hear how Sheila describes their humble startup with just four employees in her dad's garage and how Sam's vision has expanded well and good from selling into food service channels and major retail stores to running their own bakery. You'll hear how Sheila manages the challenges of working with family members, their philosophy to succession planning and their hands-on approach to developing effective social media content in-house. And because of this family passion and drive, despite their accountants' gloomy predictions, Well and Good has grown into the profitable multi-million dollar business it is today. And lastly, in the aftertaste section, you'll learn about the power of a well-thought-out growth strategy and how you might leverage one for your own food or beverage business. Welcome to the podcast, Sheila. Thank you, Susie. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, it always helps to set the scene for the listeners. If you firstly tell us kind of what you do and a little bit more about what your business does. Okay, so we are a manufacturer and innovator of gluten free and allergy free food. And our main focus is food safety and quality indulgent products in cake mixes, bread mixes, gluten free flours. And we also have a bakery now that does ready made bread and rolls. And what's your role in the business, Sheila? So I am at the moment the product development manager for Well and Good nationally and I look after the retail side of the business but really I just you know work collaboratively with every different part of the business. It's actually really hard to describe because my fingers in so many little pots of the business in marketing, in sales, in new product development, in working with the accounts team and exports, so many different parts. It really is hard to tell people exactly what I do. And Sheila, you're the daughter of the original founder, Sam Barak. He's your dad. And I believe he started the business with his business partner, Mark. Can we go back to the startup of your business? You started up in 2005, but can you maybe tell us a little bit about why did your dad start this business? 
Well, my dad is a product development guy, a factory guy, a chef, and he was creating uh, premixes for food service companies. And he just didn't want to compete with the milling companies in terms of creating flowers. But we also just happened to have a family friend with a child that had lots and lots of allergies at the time. You know, the stars were aligned and the two things happened at the same time where he wanted to move away from just normal wheat-based products. And we knew this kid with all these allergies and my mum kept egging my dad on and saying, can you make this little boy a cake that he can eat at his birthday party? Everyone's eating cakes and enjoying themselves and this little boy has got hardly anything you know, that he can enjoy. And so the two things came together and that's how Well and Good started. It's funny now because we see a lot of gluten-free products on the market, but if you go back to that period of time around the year 2000, gluten-free was quite new and different and it was something that was just for people with celiac disease. Were you kind of one of the first on the scenes in that area? Yes, I think we were number two or number three on the scene there. Um, But our idea was a little bit different because none of us had celiac disease or any allergies. We kept tasting the product going, oh, and we wanted it to be really indulgent so that everyone can eat it together. You know, there's a lot of family pressure when the child has an allergy. And what you don't want is for mum to be making two cakes or something for everybody. You want to have the one thing that everyone can enjoy together and that was our take on it we wanted it to be really indulgent so from the start my dad developed products that were just the same as the products that he was doing with wheat-based products for his other business and he made all of those same flavors and indulgent tastes in the gluten-free area so that's where we thought we can be different in this area They're not like health-based products. They are uh, gluten-free and allergy-free products for for people that that have allergies, but for the whole family to be able to enjoy together. And I love that take on it because, as you said, in that point in time, the products were really bland and horrible tasting. So you were like, well, how do we come up with alternatives that will be as delicious as the products that are containing wheat and particularly in those those categories like cake mixes and bread and bakery products. So which were kind of your very first products that you made? The first product is the chocolate mud cake mix and we had chocolate mud, we had all-purpose cake mix and we had a muffin mix which are still three of our best-selling products and uh, then we had the self-raising flour. And what was your very first distribution channels? Because you mentioned a little bit earlier, you currently have retail and you have food service. Where did the business start playing? Like where did you find your first customers? So first customers were distributors, really helped us get going. Also my dad, he used to go into health food stores himself and try and sell the product and do tastings and things like that. But he really did start from day one talking to people in the food service area because manufacturing is his key strength. He knows that business inside out. He did start in food service as well. So the two things kind of happened together. And when did the other products follow? I mean, did you very quickly then expand your product range or was it more about driving your distribution first? No, we did We did expand the range. Like That's one of the key factors to creating growth in the business to get people excited about new products. And actually, my dad works a really long day. So, you know, he'll go in at 3 a.m. every morning. And, um, you know, when you're pulling those hours, you can certainly do a lot of things. 
is he still the driving force for the new product development that you make, the new recipes? Is he behind all of that? Yes. Yes, he still develops every single product that we have. Now let's talk about you because succession planning and bringing in family members into a family business can be quite tricky and working out their roles and how you work with people that you know really well, like your own dad. How did you get involved in the business, Sheila? When did that happen? So it happened early days. When we started the factory, there was four of us in the business. So my dad, Mark Tunshin, myself, and there was Steve, who was the factory guy. So there was only four of us and I was pregnant with my first baby and I was doing things on the side just to help my dad out. Yeah, and actually I didn't know my dad very well. We we didn't have a very close relationship and it's it's been the best thing for us really to work together because we've got a really uh, tight relationship now. Tell me, how did that working relationship develop? Is your dad the boss and you report to him and you have a formal title in those early days or did you just kind of muck in and do anything that was needed? No, I had a full title. My dad was the boss. I reported to him. He was really uh, hard on me. Usually in business in this industry, I've heard lots of stories about how uh, hard dads are on their kids that they work with because they're trying to train them up. So that was his attitude and my attitude was just, you know, I'm going to be the planter of ideas. I'm going to try and drive it by giving dad lots of different ideas and sometimes he listens and sometimes he doesn't. But it's always been his business and um, we just try and make it happen. And, And there is now more of a clear pathway to changing over the leadership someday, but he's got the vision of what he wants to do there and we just support him. And you are 13 years in, so something's obviously working. You haven't sort of stormed out and left. I did many times, Susie. I did. (laughs) I always came back. (laughs) Well, you know what? When you love your mum and dad, then it's just easy to just go back and keep, keep at it. And you touched on something really interesting then about the succession planning because talking to other founders of family businesses, there seems to be kind of two camps. One is that assumption that the children automatically go to the top of the business. Like they're just going to inherit the right to to be the senior boss or the other train of thought is they start at the bottom and they must prove themselves just as any other employee would. Which camp do you feel like your business and your family is in? Well, from day one, my dad said, don't think you're going to just get this business. I know all these businesses. The dad and the grandfather, they worked hard and then the kids came in, bought themselves Ferraris and ruined it, drove it into the ground. That's not going to happen here and that is my dad's take on it. You know, we're all so hands-on. We clean the toilets, we make the sales, we, you know, manage staff, we do it all. I mean, dad's the boss but there isn't like this big ranking of, you know, a CEO walks in and... No, it's not like that in our business. We're just hands-on. I could be talking to customers one minute, talking to calls or Woolworths the next, and it's just one big mishmash of doing everything, which I, I love it that way. It's just so challenging and interesting. If it was any other way, I, I don't think I could spend so long doing it. I really like that sentiment too about, you know, when you're part of a startup business and you watch it grow and and your business is now a multi-million dollar business. You are a leader in the gluten-free space. 
but you are still getting that exposure across every facet of the business. You're not stuck in sort of a functional silo, which is, which is great. And, and I've got to ask the hard question, you know, Sheila, do you want to be the boss one day? Is that your aspiration? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I do. I've been asking myself that question a lot. Do I want to do it? Um, yes. Yes, I think I do. I think I have wanted to. And that's why I've stayed for so long. Given that, you know, it already is a second generational business, is there any interest in keeping that going? Can you see a future whereby your own children might come into the business? Uh, yeah, my son came up to Sydney last week to do the gluten-free show with me. He's 11, um, talking to customers and, you know, selling products and, and packing pallets and he just loves it. So yeah, they could. I mean, I'd like you know, everyone wants their kids to go to uni and do well and, and find their own path. But if they wanted to, they could. I mean, you know, yeah, I'd love for the kids to, to run with it if they wanted to. And what does your son think of what mum does and maybe grandpa or pop does? What does he say about the business? Oh, we love it. We we live it every day. We talk about business all the time at home. It's good for the kids, I think, in a way, because they're getting exposed to what it is to work and earn and, you know, feel proud of what you do and products that you, you're creating for people. Um, they can hear, you know, customer feedback when they're at the gluten-free food shows when people tell us, oh, we love this, you know. And I think they're very proud and they, they enjoy being a part of it. Now, I think we should talk about the well and good products and the channel also that you mentioned was retail. Firstly, do you know why the choice of that name, well and good? How did you land on that? Well, my dad wanted to call it Yaffa's Kitchen because that's my mum's name. So we didn't want that name. And in the early days, a lady named Sue Shepherd was advising dad on some of the products and she, she created the FODMAP diet. And it was just a back and forth with Sue and everybody and the name Well and Good came up and everyone liked it. So that's that's what, what happened. And it's one of those beautiful names that is one, timeless, two, easy to understand and recall, and three, has the breadth. It can stretch across anything. If you pivoted tomorrow and changed your focus, you could still position products under it. It's not wedded to one product type, which I think is fantastic. Let's talk about your um, your movement into retail. When did that become a focus and how did you kind of play in that space? Well, very naively at first. I think sometimes you have to be naive to start <laughs> to, to get into that um, space but it was just a natural progression that's how you get products to customers so obviously we wanted as many people to eat the product as they could actually I think we've just got retail right we've just rebranded well and good again for about the fourth time and I feel like we've just got it right Considering how well you were doing in the food service space, I'm kind of interested in why you were even tempted by retail. Like why not just be the number one player in food service, gluten-free cakes and breads and flowers, which is what you are. Why was there even a temptation to kind of go there? Retail drives food service as well. I mean, the two things go hand in hand. It's, it's just about diversifying as well the business. We are totally gluten-free manufacturing company but we're also soy free dairy free nut free we're kosher so we're free of um, uh, seafood and all of these things that are severe allergens when you have a manufacturing company that runs and it has so many restrictions on the sort of products that you can manufacture you have to extend it 
as far as you possibly can to make it a viable business. Otherwise, you know, if we were just doing one thing, we would probably not be able to keep it up. We have to be able to play in lots of different areas with the products to make it a profitable um, and a viable business. As you said, you've got so many benefits to offer and so many messages to talk about. You mentioned then before uh, that you had to rebrand. This is your fourth time. Tell me a little bit about that journey. Why four times before you feel like you've got it right? Well, when we started the business, the packaging was done very cheaply. We we just did our own packaging. So you basically put together, you know, some pictures that my girlfriend took in another girlfriend's kitchen. <laughs> we did all the lighting and that was the branding and the packaging and we wrote everything on the pack ourselves and we had a really basic freelance designer doing it and they just were horrendous. Like looking back at them, I don't know how anyone bought them in the first place they were like you know stuff that you made at home classic startup that's how you do it don't you you know we had to go to the next level and then the next level and the food the space on the supermarket is evolving all the time and now consumers really want new packaging all the time they're just or the supermarkets new things new looks the the audience is a lot more visually driven so I think that's also another reason why you have to keep yourself fresh and, and keep redesigning. Yeah. And what did you learn about kind of your brand and who's buying it? How did you sort of understand that space? And as you said, the story that you needed to tell retailers, because they're always asking, well, why should I range you? And who's going to buy you? And why do you deserve the space on the shelf versus some of the established cake mix or bread flour players? Yeah, well... Our message and who we are hasn't changed. We're still indulgent, gluten-free and allergy-free, and we guarantee that. And so the message hasn't changed. Indulgence is still the number one thing that we, we think about when we create our packaging. We want it to look really good. But then we wanted to put a few more things in like creativity and um, being friendly to the family and I think that our packaging now you know reflects that message a lot more than than what we've done in the past. It's time for a quick break now. When we come back you'll hear how despite their accountant's warnings Sheila and Sam expanded well and good into the baked bread category and turned a struggling bakery into a profitable business in under two years. I'd like to say a quick thanks to today's sponsor who helped make this podcast possible, the Monash Food Innovation Centre. They can help you fast track and de-risk your new products in the Australian market or export markets like China. Did you know that only one in 10 food and beverage products survive the first year of launch? That means nine out of 10 fail. If you'd like to be one of those businesses that gets it right, then the Monash Food Innovation Centre can help. It has cutting-edge technologies, product development services, and runs capability workshops to upskill business owners and employees in the art and science of food innovation. Whether you're a food startup or a large corporation, check them out at www.foodinnovationcentre.com and see how they can help grow your business through innovation. Welcome back. Today, I'm talking to Sheila Barak from Well and Good. 
And so far, you've heard how she started working in the family business that her father, Sam, and his business partner, Mark, started in 2005. You've heard about how they sold their uniquely indulgent allergen-free baking mixes, initially through food service and then into retail stores after multiple rounds of rebranding. And so I asked Sheila, why did they then decide to go into making baked breads as a whole new part of the business? Yes, it's brand new and we all want to kick my dad in the shins for buying it. (laughs) Of course, my dad constantly convinces and enrolls us all in his great new business idea because he's so bloody passionate about making these products. It's infectious, his his passion and excitement. So he, he went to help someone who owned this bakery out because they were having uh, issues with the consistency and quality of their gluten-free breads. He put some new systems in place. He fixed the moulding issues. And then he ended up buying the bakery. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> so we've got a bakery. It's two years old. It's focused on food service. We make brilliant hamburger buns, uh, long rolls. It's all vegan, so a lot of gluten-free breads have egg protein, dairy protein in them to make them fluffy and cakey. So our bread doesn't have any of that, but it's still really fluffy, soft, white bread that's just like sandwich bread that kids love to eat. So a new version of gluten-free bread that um, hasn't been around before. And has that opened up, as you were talking about diversification before, is that another now channel or categories you can talk to different distributors in food service with those products? Absolutely, yes, yes. Do we admit now that maybe Sam, your dad, was right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, the accountant, you know, advised him against it, as he did when he started this business, don't do it. But, um, you know, he, he knows what he's doing and he's working with passion and When you've got passion and a vision, then you're going to succeed. Now, why why was the accountant so against it? Did the numbers just not stack up? The numbers never stack up, Susie. (laughs) The numbers, if you listen to the accountant, you would never do anything, literally. But um, they have, you know, they have. The business is profitable. That's what you want. That's great. That is an amazing lesson for any entrepreneur that, you know, maybe the the logical numbers don't stack up, but if you've got the vision and the passion to push it through, you could take it to levels of growth that nobody saw before. All right, let's talk now a little bit more about the business and how you drive people's awareness of it, of your products. And so I've seen you're quite active on social media and even your dad looks like used to do YouTube videos of, of how to use some of your products. Tell me a little bit about that. So I went to uni and I did a a media arts degree. And so when I came on board in the business, we had the knowledge to get into my kitchen, shoot our own videos, edit them and put them on uh, YouTube basically. And so that's what dad really wanted to do it. You know, they're a bit higgledy-piggledy sometimes because my dad cannot be directed. He just, you know, does what he does on camera and that's it. I was sitting next to a small company yesterday and they had a team of five in their marketing department. We have one person do our marketing. That's Nate. And so Nate does all of that content. He makes recipes at home. He takes pictures. 
So all of that gets done in-house. There's no one external. There's no magic, but there's a team of two and we manage to do a lot of things within that, you know, very small team for a business our size. And which platforms do you like? Have you sort of tried a few and found the social media channels that really work for you best? I think Facebook is the best for us in terms of communicating with our audience. And also, I think the best thing to do is have a good website, uh, which can always be better. Even now, I look at our website and I go, okay, I need to fix this. I need to do that. I need to readjust this. Um, But having really good website and an EDM, so uh, email marketing communications list, not because you want to annoy and bombard your customers, but because you want to have a list of your community so that when you have a new product or something to say, you can reach them directly and talk to them. And, you know, from the start, I've had people say, come on, we can get you 100,000 likes or do SEO. And so I've always been really against that. I've always thought what we need to do is have genuine people that love our products And that's about building it very slowly and surely by making great content. So we haven't had any magic person come in and it's just homemade, basically. And for you looking forward into the future, how high is up for well and good? You're selling beyond Australia already. Is is export your next big focus or where are you thinking in the long term? There's still lots of potential to maximise the market in Australia. So we're, we're focused on that. And yes, we, we have got a lot more and more export queries coming through and we're not actively chasing export. We're actually developing a, a range of new products at the moment. So I think there'll be a lot of excitement and growth coming from that. Because as you said, those, those attributes you have being allergen free across so many different areas uh, that can lend itself to many different product categories not just necessarily the cakes and the breads and the flowers who do you think is buying your products now because this is not a niche business well lots of mums and dads that want to make uh, products for for kids and family to share Um, and also in the food service area we are dealing with chefs and restaurants coffee shops that make our product um, just about everybody is eating our product in one way or another. I feel like you're in a really great space that most people would say, that's the better safe option. I'll just offer that. Yeah, that's what I do. That's what I do when my kids have birthday parties. I make them a marble cake, make one big tray cake, decorate it, deck it out, and then everybody eats it basically. And when the kids actually eat the cake and not just the icing, you know, you give yourself a pat on the back as a mother, you know. I've done it. I've made it. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. And now what advice or words of wisdom would you offer, Sheila, to anyone else who says, you know what, I'm interested in food startups and I want to play in that space. What's kind of worked for you and what advice would you give them? I think you've got to do it kind of your way and, and just trust yourself and work out the vision, the passion and always move forward. Go for it is my advice. Just seeing my dad start with nothing from his garage basically with absolutely nothing and not a big chunk of money to put into it you know nothing really big happened he just went for it and he did it and you know he got as much help as he could from the family and all of us are involved got everyone to back him up and started the business so I'd say go just go I know everyone talks about putting together a big business plan but 
I think the plan really is a one pager about your vision. It's not like a, a thesis about the future of the business. You've got to roll it out and just let things happen. And know that the accountant's going to say no regardless. Exactly. The accountant is going to say no. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, where could people find out more about you and the Well and Good products and where and how to buy them? Okay. Well, our website is wellandgood.com.au. Our online store is buyglutenfreedirect.com.au. And that's where you can get lots of information about us and our products. Well, it has been an absolute joy catching up with you today and hearing about your relationship to the business, you know, how your dad started it. And we cannot wait to see what new products come out under the Well and Good brand. I will be watching the shelves avidly for that. So I just want to wish you every luck in the future. And and thank you so much for sharing your story today. Thanks, Susie. That was fun. Aftertaste, the sweet taste of success. Thanks for sticking around. This is the part of the podcast when I think back on my chat with Sheila Barak of Well and Good and reflect on an insight from her business experience. And what a beautiful, successful family business Well and Good is. You can just hear the warmth, passion and drive that Sheila and Sam have for creating quality allergen-free products that they're really proud of. There's so many juicy topics we could talk about from today's interview, like family succession planning or democratizing a niche category like gluten-free or what about the benefits of regular product design and packaging evolution. But instead today, I'm going to talk about growth strategies because I love a good growth strategy. It's the backbone of any business. And I was really struck by how much the growth of Well and Good over the past 13 years is due to its successful and deliberate use of growth strategies. As Sheila said, it's just about diversifying the business. We are a totally gluten-free manufacturing company. And when you have so many restrictions on the sort of products you can manufacture, you have to extend it as far as you can to make it a viable business. We have to be able to play in lots of different areas. And when it comes to growth strategies, you have to go straight to the godfather of growth models. And that is by Iger Ansoff. He created the Ansoff Matrix. Now, this is one of my most used strategic planning models because it's just so helpful in setting direction of your business growth in a really deliberate and thoughtful manner. So how does it work? Well, the Ansoff Matrix enables businesses to identify ways to increase their sales based on four key strategies. The first of this is product development. This is simply when you develop new products for an existing market. Sheila said, we did expand the range. That's one of the key success factors, getting people excited about new products. So Well and Good successfully used this strategy when they expanded their initial gluten-free flour range into broader baking mixes like cakes, biscuits, pancakes, and bread. The next growth strategy is market penetration. This is when you sell more of your existing products to your current consumers. For Well and Good, they now have a larger product range that they can bundle together to sell into cafes, restaurants, and other food service outlets, encouraging a higher spend per order. The third growth strategy we're going to talk about today is market development. And this is when you enter into a new market with your existing products. 
Well and Good did this by branching out beyond the food service channel to sell Well and Good branded baking mixes into retail stores like IGA and Coles. As Sheila said, this enabled us to get to more consumers. And the very final strategy is diversification. This is when you enter a new consumer market with new products. Now, this is usually a growth strategy for more established businesses that have used the previous growth strategies first, but it can also be used as a risk mitigation strategy to make sure that you don't put all your eggs in one basket. It helps reduce the risk of a single product or consumer market falling away and impacting your whole business. In this case, Well and Good used what is called a vertical integration approach. Now, vertical integration is when you gain more control over your supply chain by expanding either backwards towards the provision of raw materials or forwards in controlling product creation and sales. So Well and Good did forward integration by purchasing a bakery and expanding to offer ready-made baked breads, rolls and buns. So what does this all mean for you? Well, if you want to grow your business, the Ansoff Matrix is a really good place to start. You could develop new products. Go ask your customers what they want. Find something new or unique that you can make versus competitors and try and leverage your existing skills and capabilities. If you're not sure how to do this, you can go look on page 65 of my book. Yes, this is a shameless plug. There are lots of tools there that will help you with this challenge. It's called Innovation Feast, Create New Product Ideas to Feed Your Hungry Business. Or what about building your business by increasing sales to existing customers? Could you try reducing your order intervals, increasing the average value of an order, offering a wider product selection, or increasing your hours of opening. What about identifying new markets you could enter? You could look towards a new consumer demographic, geographic, or life stage group. You could target different business sectors or organization sizes. And finally, when it comes to diversification, try harnessing your skills, your know-how and expertise, and transferring that to a new product or market. There just might also be growth opportunities by controlling your supply chain through backwards or forwards integration. Well, that's it for episode 19. I'd like to thank my guest today, Sheila Barak of Well and Good, for sharing her inspiring family business story with us. If you'd like to learn more about Well and Good and connect with Sheila as one food entrepreneur to another, I'll include all the social media links in the episode 19 show notes at www.eatdrinkinnovate/podcast. Thank you again for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe and share it with a fellow food startup or entrepreneur. And the big news for next week is it's episode 20, which is going to be the last of season one for the Eat, Drink, Innovate podcast. So it'll be a special wrap-up and review edition. I'll be featuring lots of advice and words of wisdom from business founders about starting up and running a successful food and beverage business. There will be lots of inspiration coming your way when you join me next time to eat, drink, and innovate. Do you have any suggestions about successful food or beverage entrepreneurs and innovators in Australia that you think Susie should be talking to? You can get in touch with her at eatdrinkinnovate.com.au forward slash podcast. 
and find all the show note links and innovation resources there too. And if you like this podcast, please help others discover it by leaving a review on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 